You're listening to Rolling Toe with trucking experts Kevin and Mike Beckett. This is the show where you ask the questions and we give you the diagnosis on how to get the most out of your truck. We'll talk about avoiding wear and tear, knowing your suspension and axles, and how to get more mileage from your tires. We're on the audio road. Let's get rolling. This is Mike. And this is Kevin. And they're the Beckett's, and we're here to talk to you about tire wear and handling problems on the Rolling Toe Show. Uh, this week, we're going to wrap up the third part on inflation. These are the final bits and pieces. And uh, we had a lot of discussion on inflation this week at the Mid-American Truck Show. And uh, in fact, next door to us at our booth was the CVSA people talking about air brake adjustments. And we wound up in an in-depth discussion with them and talked about their concerns and problems enforcing inflation. And it sounds like it turns out they can't enforce much because they don't know what weight you're carrying. They don't know how to figure out what your inflation should be. And they don't want their guys crawling around uh, checking inflation and undoing all your valve caps and stuff. So uh, that, that was an interesting conversation with them. Now, with regards to inflation, one of the posts I put up on inflation, these last bits talks about maintaining and monitoring inflation. Frequent checks of inflation by someone with a calibrated tire inflation gauge, not a tire thumper, is the obvious first line of defense in this regard. However, as one fleet manager pointed out to me, his trailers leave the yard and may not be back in the yard for 90 to 120 days. And they cannot depend on the drivers to conscientiously check tire inflation. As a result, they purchased trailers with automatic inflation systems. This, they felt, solved their tire inflation issues. I was in this fleet location as a consultant to a tire manufacturer because of irregular tire work complaints. When we disconnected the automatic inflation system and manually checked the tire pressures, tires in dual-wheel positions had different inflations by as much as 30 PSI but commonly between 10 and 15 pounds. This difference in inflation caused significant tire wear issues. The assumption that the automatic system will relieve you of manual checks ignores the fact that all mechanical systems eventually break. The question is, how soon will this happen? The section option is a tire pressure monitoring system, or a TPMS. In the U.S., cars are commonly fitted with these at the factory. In fact, they may be mandatory now. I'm not sure since I don't work in that market. More and more trucks are starting to show up with the systems either from the factory brand new or as aftermarket purchases. This seems to be a much less expensive and simpler solution to the inflation monitoring problem. Lots of details need to be resolved for the trucking market due to switching trailers and sinking sensors to the display in the cab, but I'm sure it'll eventually be settled. There are also questions about internal sensors or external uh, ones and the durability of each. Perhaps a combination of an automatic inflation system and a TPMS would be the solution. But whichever way you do it, if you don't check your inflations and maintain them properly, the tire will fail. But you do mean just check it with a bat? No, no thumpers. No thumpers. Thumpers not allowed. No you can't, thumping. You thumping can't is- you can't tell the inflation between ten and twenty and thirty and forty percent wrong with a thumper. And ten percent wrong between duels will cause you tire wear. 
10% wrong on your steer is almost a run flat. Oh, uh, yeah, 20, 20 pounds is a run flat up there. So, but a lot of guys will check the inflation on a steer because it's easy to get at those two tires. The valve stems stick out where you can get it. It's the duels where they have to crawl out underneath or reach in and get their hands dirty, and they just don't want to spend the time on it. So the duels tend to get ignored more often than not. Yeah, there and on trailers if you happen to own them. Right. Now, it, <clears throat> with the tire pressure inflation systems, my experience so far has not been really good. A lot of the inflation systems I check when we disconnect them and do a manual check, we find errors in the inflation, significant portions. And I would say that I've seen a failure rate of between 10 and 20%. Over, we don't even know, unfortunately, how long they've been on the track. Well, some of them is a little as four and five months that I've checked. Wow. Some of them as long as two and three years, and, and we're still seeing the same kind of failure rate. I don't know exactly what it is in the system that is failing. I have a suspicion that it has to do with the Schrader valve that's in the valve core. Multiple Schrader valves in each wheel end are used in order to control the backflow and pressure and maintaining pressure. And they have a tendency to stick open or stick closed. And I think that's part of the problem. But that's just a suspicion. I don't have any proof of it. Remember that the Schrader valve has not been redesigned since 1900. We're right. using the same basic component. So a tire automatic inflation system sounds like a fabulous idea if it will actually work and people can figure out all the details. In it. So a tire pressure monitoring system becomes the next option. At least you're getting signals. You're right. getting a report on your dashboard instead of just driving along and hoping it's okay. But tire pressure monitoring systems have their own issues. If you take the t style that screw onto the valve stem sticking outside of the tire, they're subject to environmental problems, theft. Uh, theft's not a big issue, but they can fall off. They can disappear. They can get frozen. They can broke. They can yep. break. Broke. Who's the English major? <laughs> not you. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> the internal ones have their own issues. The ones that go on the bottom of the valve stem that mount inside the rim, so it's li like an automotive one. Mm -hmm. When you change a truck tire, it's often occurs that that heavy beaded tire will slide down on the inside of the rim and break them. So they're in the way of a hazard. There's, there's one from Bendix that straps into the center well of the rim. And again, we get a lot of reports of those getting broken in tire shops as they're changing tires because the tires flip up into the rim there as you're mounting them with the bars and dismounting them, and they get broken. Then you have to take it in, have a new one put in, and have it resynced up to your system. Because you don't know it until... Yeah, you start driving and you don't have a signal anymore. There is another one out that is going to be glued to the underside of the tread inside the tires. This okay. gets it out of the way of all the tire change issues. And it actually, there's a rubber boot that glues on and then the sensor goes in the boot. So if you change tires, you can take the sensor out of that little rubber holder. Glue a rubber holder in your next tire and stick it in there. The holders are like 20 cents, so it's no big deal. That's nice. This one shows a lot of potential because it gives you temperature and pressure, and it will sync up to multiple units. The disadvantage to that one right now that I see is that the company that's bringing it out, which is a big international company, doesn't have enough people in the United States who were willing to sell them and install them. And sell them. Well, that's odd. Well, they're just introducing this product, and a lot of the people that they deal with aren't in the 
electrical wiring business. Now, I'm going to give see. you a hint here. This is the tire company that's making this thing. So they're, they're, they're willing to bust tires, but they're not willing to install electronics. Yeah, they don't want to go crawl up in your dashboard and run wires through there and hook things up. That's not their business. So we're, we're trying to cross frontiers here. I okay. see a lot of good potential out of this system, but whether it's it's not ready right now. Right. It's and there become, are others. Yeah, there's others out there, and, and we keep looking to find one that's going to be good and dependable and, and resolve all of our issues. There are other ways to maintain pressure in your tire. There are products that you can buy that go inside the tire, liquids, slimes, and, and different things that will reduce the leakage that occurs in the tire by putting a film inside the tire that can also help uh, patch a puncture automatically. You don't have to do anything. It just automatically plugs up to, I've heard, quarter and half inch holes in the tire and seen some remarkable results. The third, the fourth possibility is discussed all the time. It's nitrogen. The idea is that the air we breathe is 78% nitrogen, then some oxygen, and then some other contaminants. The oxygen molecules and some of the contaminants are smaller molecular size than the nitrogen is. And if you put nitrogen in the tire and you get rid of the smaller molecules, the larger ones have a harder time leaving through the the cracks and seams in the tire. And so you maintain pressure better. Um, I haven't found any tire engineers that are really excited about this yet. They don't say anything against it, but it's another idea. Try nitrogen, see what happens. Yeah. I'm not a big fan person. Yeah. All right. So having, having said all of those things, those are all possibilities. We're going to open the phone up to questions. Okay. For all of those listeners who are on the line, if you have a question, please push one on your keyboard. That will cue you up so that we know you have a question. If you push one twice, it will take you off the queue, and we won't know you have a question. So right now we've got a few people up on the line. We're going to go to one and see what kind of questions they've got. First come, first serve. This guy's been holding for about 25 minutes. So, What's the area code? Six. Three six area code. I hit the button and it didn't. There, there it, it comes. All right, you're there. Hello, yeah. can you hear me now? Hear you now. Okay. Have you heard evening, us this gentlemen. whole time? Good evening. How oh, are you yeah. doing? Doing well, Good. thank you. I've got a uh, alignment question. I'd see if you maybe can give me a little help with. We can try. I've got a 2007 Freightliner Columbia. And uh, at 45 miles an hour, I get a severe shake in the steering wheel. And we've so far aligned the uh, front end, changed the steer tires twice, tried uh, balance bags and centromatics, and uh, we'd like to bring it to your folks' uh, shop there in Kansas City, but we'd like to get this uh, shimmy problem fixed first. And I wonder if you might have any suggestions. Well, I've got a few questions first. You say when you reach 45, the steering wheel starts to shake, correct? Yes. Does, can you drive through it? Yes, about uh, 40, I'd guess about 47, 48 miles an hour, I drive through it. It's only two miles an hour? Yes, from about 43 oh, to 47. Oh, that's only four miles an hour. That's a very short shake. Okay. Yeah. Now, you say the steering wheel starts to, is it jumping up and down or is it twitching side to side? It's side to side. Okay. 
Does it do it again as you slow down through the speed range? Yes. Ah, perfect. Okay. That tells me what I want to know. There are two different problems that can occur. One is the symptom is that it only vibrates as you go up through the speed range. The other is that it vibrates both as you accelerate and decelerate. When it is just vibrating going up, it's typically a toe problem. It's slightly towed out. And the reason that speed range is important is below that speed as you drive down the road, the drag on the tires is pulling the tire toward toe out and trying to hold the toe. But when you reach about 42 to 43 miles an hour, the wheel spins up fast enough to become a gyroscope. And a gyroscopic wheel always wants to run at zero. So in that speed range, the toe changes from control by the scrub to control by the gyroscopic. And if there's anything that impedes that changeover in control, you'll get a shimmy. Now, if it's slightly towed out, we tend to get that shimmy only when you speed up. When you slow down, it won't do it. But if there's something wrong in the kingpin assembly that's preventing the tire from smoothly changing position, it'll shudder when you go through the speed range up into the gyroscopic, and it will shudder again as you come down into the scrub position. Now, most often, the problem is going to be either a dry kingpin with a heavy spot in it that's hanging up, or the thrust bearings under the kingpin are deteriorating, and they're not smoothly allowing the wheel to slide back and forth in position. So my first question to you is, this wouldn't be the first question, it would be the second one, wouldn't it? So, number three. Maybe the number three question. How old are the kingpins? Are they original? Uh, as far as I know, they're original, yes. Got how many miles on it? Uh, 634,000. You could be approaching the end of the life of the kingpin thrust bearing or the bushings. Now, the... What you can do to try and isolate this a little bit and see if you can confirm this is what's wrong before you spend any money. You jack the front end of the truck up off the ground. Most people grease the kingpin wrong. You're supposed to push grease into it until the grease expels out of all the cracks in the seams. And when it starts coming out, first you're going to see dirty grease. You may see some moisture. You'll see different things come out. And you want to put a piece of cardboard underneath to catch all this stuff. And you keep greasing until you see fresh grease come out. Now you have successfully greased the, the position. Then you want to rotate the tire left and right, back and forth while it's still in the air, and grease it some more to make sure that you're getting all the little nooks and corners and neat and spots. If you do this on both sides, and then you take it and drive it, and it seems to be better for a while, and then it starts getting bad again. You just confirmed your problems in the movement of the kingpin, and you're going to have to tear it apart to fix it. Well, I certainly appreciate uh, your help because that's been driving us kind of crazy for a while. Uh, we want to get this fixed and definitely get it to the Kansas City shop and let you guys take a good look at it. First step and see if you can solve the problem. Yep. Thank you, sir. You guys have a great evening. Okay, did we mark? Yeah, he's marking it good. We have to mark these calls, otherwise we wind up going back to the same people and things get crazy, and we don't have that problem. Uh, he disappeared. Oh, he disappeared. Okay, what have we got now? Uh, this will be the 518 area code. He's been waiting for just about as long. 518. Yeah, I have I no know. idea where 518 is. 
Where, where, where exactly is the 518 area? He's, he's still, we're still trying to get him to connect. The, the board is going question, question. Ah, and there we go. There you, I can hear yeah. you now. All right. The 518 area code is Albany, New York. Albany, New York. I've been up there lately. What's up, buddy? I'm calling about trailer alignments. I have a trailer that has a uh, dog track to the right and uh, a couple other issues that uh, I need to align the trailer, change the bushings, and start going through things to solve some uh, vibration issues in the trailer. Okay, all right. Trailer's no big deal. They're fairly straightforward. You want the two axles parallel with each other. And you want them both aimed just slightly to the left so that on a crown road, it'll track straight behind you. If you aim them dead straight ahead on the crowns, the road we run on, you'll look like it's dog tracking about two inches to the right. Like you said, if the bushings those. Yeah, I have about a four-inch dog track to the right right now. Okay, now let me ask one more question, because this is something I ran into several times, and I don't even think about it often, but... It, it causes a visual problem. It does. How wide is your trailer? Is it a 102 or a 96? It's a 102. It'll always look like it's dog tracking four inches. Because your truck is only 96 inches wide, your trailer's 102. Well, uh, I'll line up my trailer tires with the white line and... Uh, just looking through the mirror, it looks like that it's dog tracking. I've I've had other trailers where uh, the trailer will run straight with the white line as you're going down the road, and it's fine. Uh, uh, my suggestion before we get all excited about that, you normally do this in the slow lane, right? You're running on a four lane where you can get in the fast lane, put your left wheels on there on the on fog the line. Side. And and see if it's dog tracking four inches to the left. Right. Correct. Right. Correct. Correct. <laughs> okay. Does that, does that make do any that. sense to you? Yes, it certainly guys, makes any sense. I've had a, several guys call me in, and they can't figure out how to get their trailers aligned. They've aligned them and aligned them and aligned them. And then we finally figure out, oh, you got a 102 trailer behind a 96-inch. It'll yeah. never look right. Yeah, when you look at the, the, edge, the wheel is lined up with the very edge of the trailer instead of being inset just a little bit, you're... You, you can see, just look forward from the back of the trailer forward, and you can see it's wider. It's significantly wider than your tractor, that, that axle. So Now, what are your other issues with the trailer besides looking at it and visually saying it's dog tracking? I have to replace the leveling valve about every two months. Okay, and well, I'm that's not... Thinking that- I'm thinking that there's vibration and shocks are bad and maybe bushings are bad and things of that nature that are causing excessive vibration and destroying the leveling valves. That could be. Now, what does the tire wear in your trailer look like? Uh, it's absolutely even. I have uh, wide singles, Michelins, um, two-inch offsets, and they're, they're wearing even, uh, except for... One wheel position actually has a little bit of cupping on the inside. Okay, the one with the cupping on the inside, I'd be checking the wheel bearing. And if that wheel is hopping up and down, that's going to cause some oscillation. Which axle is the air uh, air leveling valve attached to? The one that has the, the rear cupping? axle. 
Is that the one with the cupping? No. no. All right. Um, I've had several people lately complain about rapid replacement problems with air leveling valves. And I'm not convinced that the failure of the leveling valves is all the fault of the truck. It may be that we're just getting some cheap valves here. Yep. Okay. Okay. If you had a All lot right. of tire wear problems, that would indicate that there's a lot of oscillation going on in the wheels, and that could wear out the valve. Right. But if the tires are wearing really good, the shocks, the shocks can't have too much of a problem. The bushings can't have too much of a problem. And I don't see any energy being generated that would cause it to damage the valve. Okay, yep. that makes sense. All righty, buddy. Well, you have yourself a good day, and thanks for calling. All right. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Right. Well, that was fun. That <laughs> was. Uh, Hopefully we saved him some money. He won't have to do an alignment. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, do we got now? Let's see. I think we're up to – we've got somebody here from the 303 area code. 303. All right. So hopefully this works quicker this time. It did work it quicker. Did. Hello there. Hey, Mike. It's Rick. Good evening. Nice to see you at Matt's this year. Oh, it was a pleasure. I see you got an award. Yes, I did. Uh, the T.A. Petro Citizen Driver of the Year Award. Thank you very much. You're very proud of you. I was glad to see the pictures. Nice to see somebody we know getting some uh, recognition. That's a good deal. Yeah, it was quite a day. Very enjoyable day. Um It's also interesting that you mentioned tire monitor systems. I I actually purchased one at the show in the next aisle behind you, so I think you know who the company is, TST. So I'm hoping to get good, hoping to get good things out of that. Um, But my question, feedback as you do that, because I'd like to know how it's all working. Yeah, I will let you know. Uh, With the wide singles on here, I want to know if I've got a tire back there that's losing pressure. Um, my question has to do with when you're talking about inflation here, and I think most of us out here, the conscientious ones anyway, all carry a tire gauge. I have two of them, but I've always wondered how I could possibly tell whether or not the tire gauge that I have is accurate. Well, every large, reputable tire shop, the Goodyear stores, the GCR stores, the TDS uh, the tire centers, maybe even Petro and TA, maybe even the Petros and the TAs, will have a tire pressure check station in the shop mounted to the wall, and and that unit has a an oil bath gauge on it. It's hooked up to the airline and it's got a Schrader valve on it, and so you can walk up to that and the oil bath gauge would say, let's say 120 psi. You put your your little handheld gauge, check it against the Schrader valve, and if you've got 120, he's got 120. You've got an accurate gauge. If your gauge is off by, let's say, 10 pounds, don't throw the gauge away. What we recommend you do is tie a tag on it and say plus 10 or minus 10, whatever is appropriate, and then you can use your gauge with confidence. And we suggest in tire shops that are using their gauges all the time, once a week they should be checking them because abuse, damage, dropping them can cause them to redraw. Okay, that sounds great. So if I check mine and it's off, it'll pretty much stay that same whatever number of pounds off. So like you said, market for the difference that we found from accurate and it should stay that way, uh, you know, 
pretty much ongoing and just make the adjustment. Yeah, and then and then I'd say as often as you would use your gauge, I'd say every couple of months just check it and see at some place you're at and right. use their gauge and see where you're at. Especially if if you do find that it's off, it really wouldn't hurt to see if it's if it's simply off or it's actually faulty. No, I appreciate you know, that. I've got a couple of them. So now I, I just needed to know how I could go or where I could go to, to see if they were accurate. So now I can check them both. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good day. Another fun one. That was a Things simple question. I like the simple stuff. Cool. All right. All right. We, we got, we, did you mark that one? Yeah, it's marked. You did mark it. We oh, got good. Uh, the 214 area code who has called in here. 214. 214. Can you hear me now? I Hello. can hear you can now. Hear now. What's up, buddy? Okay. Um, with regard to greasing kingpins, you saying uh-huh. jack the truck up to grease the kingpin? Should we jack it from the axle or jack it from the frame? If you're gonna uh, grease the suspension parts as well, I would jack up from the frame. If you're just gonna grease okay. the kingpin, you can jack it up by the axle. I was okay. taught years ago that the correct way to grease the suspension is to put a jack in from the back of the truck and a jack in from the front, lift the whole frame up, suspend it, and then go through and grease the whole thing. Yep. I guess we'll have to see if TA and Petro are willing to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Good question for tell. that one. Yes, it will. I have to, I have to ask Homer Hog. Yeah. <laughs> 214, is that what your area code was? That's it. Yeah. That's it. And what, yep. where's that from? Dallas, Texas, but I live in Oklahoma. But okay, well, we won't hold that. Driver, I'm not neither of them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All righty, yeah. buddy. Any other questions? Are we okay? No, that's it. Thank you much. Have a great evening. All right. Nice talking to you. Okay, bye. Bye. All right. Okay, we got that one. Yeah, we got uh, about a half hour left, and we got several more questions. Good, we'll get to more questions here. What do we got? We got uh, five six one area. Five six. This is going to be a geography test for us. Where are these people from? Five six one. This is Palm Beach, Florida. Palm Beach, Florida. All right, you guys don't have any problems down there, do you? Just laying in the sun on the beach. Hey man, the spring break is clogging up the road. That's our problem. That is a problem. All right, sorry, buddy. I got a question. I'm a, it's two part, so it might not be as simple as the other one, but it kind of reverts to one of your calls earlier about the wheel shaking at 45 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, a little history. I bought a truck brand new, and then wheels was wobbling like crazy, and we checked the radio run out, the lime and everything. Come to find out later, it was a bent rim from where they piggybacked them in, and I guess maybe they had them tightened down too tight. That could happen. Yeah, uh-huh. but I went through a couple. A couple of sets of steer tires trying to finally figure that out. But now I'm past that problem, and uh, I actually put a couple of steer tires on. And I'm noticing when I stop at certain truck stops, I can see where it's wearing on the outside right on the tire. And you can actually mm-hmm. see the rubber that's sitting on the tire where you can actually brush it off with your hand. That's a bit of an alarm look- problem. Yeah, and I'm thinking that I, this maybe it might simplify because I have maybe my shocks on a little too long and I recently replaced them. So I was trying to figure out what do you guys recommend as far as finding out what the problem is. And then once I replaced the fifth tire, you know, I kind of, because the other left tire is wearing fine. That right okay. outside of that tire there runs. 
Okay. All right. You, you sounds like you've got a classic alignment condition, but there's a test you can do to confirm it. Are you familiar with what is called feathered wear? Yes. You're going to lay your hand flat on that right tire, palm down, little pressure down on your hand, slide it across the tire toward the frame of the truck, and then bring it back out. If it Mm -hmm. feels smooth and sharp as you come out, you've got an alignment problem. Okay? Okay. If it feels smooth both ways, you don't have an alignment problem. You've got a mechanical problem. Okay? Okay. Now, does your truck have a slight right pull? Yeah, actually, when you let the steering wheel go, it kind of takes off to that right side. How, how quick? I mean, the effort truck ends up going right, but how, how bad is How quick does it end up going to the right? Just the second you, it was, if you was to let it go, the second you let go, it's yeah, off? The, the second you let it go, oh. it's taken off to the right where that wear is. Okay. Then what? You've described to me, and I'm assuming you said the left tire is wearing good. It's not wearing on the inside edge. It's not wearing on the outside. And if you slide your hand across it, you probably won't feel hardly any feathering on it, but you'll feel significant feathering on the right front tire. Now, what that tells us is you have a little too much toe in in the front end, and your drive axles are pushing the truck to the right. Now, because the left front tire is towed in, it's going right, so it's happy. And the right front tire is getting pushed sideways, and that's what's causing all the problem. Okay. So that's good alignment. Simple alignment. Good, simple yeah, alignment. good alignment should solve it. What kind of what make and model of truck do you have? It's a 2012 Cascadia. Okay. Then you have got the classic Freightliner rear suspension. And on the Freightliner rear suspension, when you bought the truck, the airbags were standing straight up and down. And the odds are now if you go behind the truck with no trailer on it and look at it, your airbags are going to be tilted with the bottom in a little bit, which indicates the U-bolts are getting loose. That's allowing the axles to walk around on the alignment. So the first thing a good alignment shop should do is loosen the U-bolts a little more, push the airbags back out so they're straight, tighten the U-bolts up good and tight, and then you can align it and hold that alignment. If you don't tighten the U-bolts up, it's going to move every time you hit a bump in the road. Okay. Okay. Okay, guys. No big deal. I'll start with that. Very good. You have yourself a good day, and thanks for calling. Yep. Appreciate the information. No problem. Bye. Okay, I'm going to remind folks again, if you have a question, you push one on your keyboard, that'll put you in the queue. If you push it twice, it's going to take you out of the queue, so don't push it twice unless you want to be taken off the queue. We have several more questions here. We're going to keep working our way through these questions. and. We were helping you. What do we got here? Who, who cherry code? 712. 712. Isn't that uh, Western Iowa? I don't know where it is. 712. Yes. Where's it at? Hey, Western, Western Iowa. Iowa. Yes. Yep. Western Iowa. All right. Okay, now, uh, what do you got? Application is uh, 389 glider I put together, um, 280 wheelbase, uh, stock. My weight range has about as far as you can imagine. Um, sure. With drive axles. Uh, first set of tires, drives I had on here. Um, I'm a big fan of the Bridgestone 726s, but when I got the glider, I, they talked me into the Michelin XZAs, uh, the XZA3. Um, never rotated them. They wore perfectly flat, even front axle, back, back axle. Uh, everything wore true to form. 
uh, measurement, you know, when I pulled them off, they were all 430 seconds all the way across the board. Beautiful. Excellent tire, just short tire life. I'm only describing it just to tell you that, um, you know, the, the, the driving habits, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, those only got 162 out of them, pulled them off. I put on the X-Line Energy D, and the problem I'm having now, I've got 25,000 miles on them. Uh, I noticed that the outside shoulders seem like they're, they're not feathering, but if you go through some dust and then go to the pavement, the outside shoulders uh, are still dusty, like they're not right. You're not getting contact, contact in the pavement. Okay. But right. I also have that, and if you run your hand across the tire, uh, there's, of course, three ribs in the center, the closed shoulders. And it feels like when you run your hand across the tire from side to side that that center rib is dipping, is dipped down as well. Right. Um, my question, I guess, is maybe an inflation question. I don't have any heel-to-toe wear. I drive sensibly. Um, and otherwise, I, I love the tires. But my uh, the tire badge on it states 105 for recommended pressure. I run about 110. Um, my speeds vary. I'm just looking for a recommended Let's inflation stop. to see if I'm doing right. Let's stop right there, okay? Okay. The sidewall of the tire says 105 to carry 5,500 pounds per tire. Okay? Correct. In, in other words, if you were carrying 5,500 pounds on the tire, you would need 105. But you're only carrying in dual wheel, fully loaded. You're only carrying 4,250 pounds on that tire. Okay. So you're overinflating the heck out of the tire. And that particular tread design doesn't like having the center pushed up so high and leave the outside shoulders not touching the ground. Okay. That particular tire likes about 90 PSI. Maybe 95. Okay. But either way, you're okay. still overinflated by about 30 pounds at that point. Yeah, because if you look at the load and inflation chart for that Michelin tire at 4250, it only requires 75 psi as the minimum inflation. Now, I wouldn't go all the way down to 75, but I would certainly go down right. to 90. Okay. 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 And with this with this application, yeah. Uh, so there are times I'm 36,000 on my tandems, and then the rest of the time. Uh, you know, I run around empty, so I don't know what the weight is. But with that application, you recommend dropping down to about 95. Try that. 95 and 90 is where I would like to see that that particular tire. Now, the other tire you ran, the tread design yes. was different, and it put up with 105 just fine. But this particular tread design doesn't like it. Right. Okay. 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 That's the advice I was looking for. Thank you very much. Very good. You have a good day. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, right. another good uh, one. And it was on inflation. Yeah, I know. He stuck to the... Stuck uh, to the format. Aren't we yeah. lucky? <laughs> I don't even know if he knew it was the circuit. Who cares? Format, He's got a question. What do we got now? All right, uh, we've got the 803 area code. 803. What do you think? Western good Canada? Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. How are you uh, doing? That's a, it's South Carolina number. <laughs> okay, all right. But I'm, down, I'm down in Laredo right now. Um, I, I'm running the um, XT into wide singles, and okay. I've been told to run 130 pounds of pressure. Am I? I'm. They seem I, to be wearing fine, but I'm worried now. I'm worried that maybe I'm overinflating them. No, no, 
remember that that fellow before was running dual tires, and each right. tire was carrying 4,250. Your wide base tire is carrying 8,500 pounds on one tire. Okay. You need more air pressure than he does. Yeah. Okay. You need, okay. You need a lot more air pressure to keep up that really wide center of the tread. And I like right. to see a little bit of overinflation. Remember his. His load inflation chart said he needed 75, and I'm telling him to run 95, which is about 20 pounds overinflated. Okay, your chart will probably tell you that that tire needs maybe 105 or 110, and at 130 you're only running 20 pounds overinflated. So that doesn't sound like a bad number to me. Okay, well that sounds good then. I, I'm uh, going to switch over to the uh, X1 uh, line energy. Um, Eventually, it's all all position, but um, I, you know, I just I just wanted to make sure I'm running the right pressures. Well, the proof of whether you're running the right pressure is the way the tires wear. Yep. His tires weren't wearing right, and they were telling him he needs a different pressure. You say your tires are wearing right, which means they like your pressure. Yep. Okay. Sounds the good. Tire is. You have a good day. All right. Thank you for the show. All right. Bye. All right, this is going really well. I'm that having another fun. Pressure. Another pressure. Yeah, we're on theme here. Okay, <laughs> what right, do we got? This will be the 979. 979. That's got to be in uh, Brazil or someplace. I think it's fake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kill him. It's Lone Star State, bud. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm, I'm joining your show a little bit late. Uh, I'm not sure if this is in the theme of what y'all are doing, but uh, my questions were on some suspensions uh, and how they hold uh, alignment. I was looking at doing a glider here this summer, and I was wanting to do an air ride front end on a Peterbilt. And I know that uh, I've, I've heard you say some bad things about some of the air ride front ends, and I didn't know which one Peterbilt uses on theirs or if it was worth even looking at. Peterbilt's using their own proprietary one, uh, unless you order the Hendrickson AirTech, which I'm really not a fan of. But over okay. the, the 40 years that we've been testing air ride front ends on trucks, Pete brought one out for a while, and it was a really piece of junk, and we got it off the market, and, and then there's been add-on ones and stuff like that. My personal opinion after everything I've seen so far is I wouldn't put an air ride front end on my car. I haven't okay. found one. I haven't found one that stands up with low maintenance that would give the ride and the handling. When you soften up the air ride on the front end of your vehicle, you lose handling control. Most okay. of the buses that you see on the road, the Van Hools, the Cetras, and the, all of the other buses are air ride front ends, and they all drive like yachts, swaying around okay. and bouncing and diving. And if ride is the most important thing to you, then take that and accept the fact that you're going to have some tire wear problems and you're going to have some handling issues. If okay. tire wear and handling are important to you, don't put an air ride on it. Okay. Well, I run oil field out here, and some of the roads look like the Air Force has used them for bombing practice. So I was trying to get something that kept my molars flexed. Again, well, with those buses, they don't drive on those roads. That would probably be a terrible abuse. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't be able to keep a leveling control valve in it. They, they the, the pins and the springs would just beat out. I, I really can't recommend an air ride out there. 
Now, there are certain things that you can do in the alignment to reduce the impacts and extend the tire life and and improve your handling on a conventional spring suspension. So I would prefer to go that for air ride. Now, have you had any experience with the, uh, it's a Hendrix rear suspension, and they call it a Primax. And apparently it's supposed to allow some, okay. (laughs) Short and quick. Short and quick. I hate them. It has an articulation. It's designed with an upper and lower control arm, and it's designed so that as you go through articulation, it maintains the pinion angle on the drive lines. And it's supposed to do a lot of things, okay? But in my experience, it's very difficult to align. And it is what's called an under-slung suspension. If you go and look Uh, at the suspension, you'll find that the main bracket to carry the load is under the axle and all the weight's carried on the U-bolts. You take that down that road you're talking about. Yeah, you're going to pull those U-bolts loose, and you're not going to hold alignment, and you're going to have all kinds of problems. Okay, last question. I'm I'm getting shot down left and right here, but last question. I've heard some people say that on the wide base singles that you can only run them up to a certain speed uh, without tearing the centers up in the tire. And we typically, Actually, to make the runs, we have to do 70 to 75 on our runs in order to make our times on, on pulling the soil. So is that something I can even look at, or is that... The wide base tires are susceptible to high-speed distortion. They don't tear out the centers. What they do is they tear off both shoulders. Because as the Ah, truck runs faster, the center of the tire grows and gets taller. The outside two ribs, which are attached to the sidewall, cannot grow to match the center ribs. And now you've got two short ribs on the outside, seven tall ribs in the middle, the tall ribs are carrying the load and pulling the truck, and the short ribs are dragging to keep up with it, and you lose both shoulders. The speed What's limit the... that we normally find is Anything beyond that, they start tearing themselves up. I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear you on the speed. About 65 miles an hour is top. Okay. Well, geez, you guys <laughs> shot, shot apart three of my ideas for my glider here. I tell you. It's going to save you money in the long to cost you money in this process go with go with what well, really works go with well, the things that, that have been that if, if it ain't broke don't fix it go with the go with something sturdy and uh, uh mean looking <laughs> what's a what's a good pete rear uh suspension that they offer from the factory the low early like like okay the new low early. that's a good suspension and there's several okay. good drive tires. If you talk to anybody who sells tires in the oil field, they'll know which tires run out there. And as well, you change guys from- out here put on Chinese junk because the big companies around here are cheap, and they they tear tires up so fast regardless of what they are. They put mm-hmm. these off-brand Chinese junk tires on them. So us owner-operators are, are all kind of fishing around, you know, back and forth off each other trying to find a tire that's good going down the freeway but we also get into uh caliche uh dirt with rocks that are embedded in it so it's a real yes. rough and you want to make sure you get a tread design that will retain the rocks and then stone drill the tire uh, yeah 
And I've I've got one particular brand of tire that I was going to suggest you call and talk to. But when you mentioned that, I said, no, don't call them because I know they're having a problem with that right now. So we'll leave that alone. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah the conditions that you drive it in when you uh, the, the the rate of wear for a tire increases significantly depending on the amount of friction that you're putting under uh, an asphalt road is a low friction surface so if you were only on asphalt roads there's a lot of really great tires but once you start whether it was sand or now you're talking about dirt you're talking about dirt with stones in it now you've increased the friction so much you uh, we were dealing with the the humvees and trucks in iraq they they would count their tire life in weeks because they could yeah. not keep a tire in those conditions, and that may be what you're faced with. It may just it may be that the Chinese tire is the right answer, simply because nothing is going to last uh, long enough to to pay for itself. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, are you? Uh, I assume you're following us on Facebook at all. Uh, no, I didn't realize y'all had a Facebook. I did the. Uh, I think it was following the MD alignment on Facebook. MD Alignment is our Facebook page. I will post tonight or tomorrow a question and see if there's any of our listeners out there, or readers out there, and in there in the CMC or the mo. I've got several groups I'll post it to. Suggestions okay. on tire drive tires that wear good in the oil patch in Texas, and we'll see what they come back. Yeah. With. And and last uh, last suggestion here. Can y'all please come and and set a shop up? in college station for that md alignment because be glad to... uh, yeah we'll we'll see we'll actually we'll work on that we'll try to figure something out if you have a suggestion well, if if you have a shop down there that you would like to see do our stuff ask them to call us yep uh, okay it, I, I i run a kenworth but the kenworth shop there the store is great but the shop the guy's a knucklehead but the mm-hmm. uh, the Freightliner shop, I can get most of the parts I need for my Kenworth at the Freightliner shop, and they have a Caterpillar mechanic there. So I end up going over there, and I've been real impressed with how professional they are. We do a lot of work with a lot of Freightliner dealers. In fact, the Freightliner test fleet out of Portland, Oregon, uses our equipment. And, uh, and if that Freightliner dealer was willing to talk to us, we'd be glad to talk to him. The problem we have is when our guys call them up. No, no, we don't have any problems. We don't want to talk to you because they don't need another salesman calling them. Yeah, but if if their customers yeah. are telling them to call us, you know what? Maybe something will happen. Them. I'll go in there and rag on their rag on them about that because otherwise I've got to drive three and a half mile or three and a half hours up to Dallas Fort Worth area. I think is the closest shop um, to me, and it just it, it makes it hard to get to. Yeah, I think there's one just east of San Antonio, Texas. Uh, well, I don't know that, how far that, that is. Uh, whenever you drive somewhere, you spend your first day just getting out of the state. But so it's only two it, weeks. It's, yeah. Well, I tell you what. You come out here and sit behind a windshield, and you tell me how big this state is. <laughs> oh, I'm down there all the time. I'll be back down at Uvalde, Texas, at the Continental General Proving Grounds here again in April. Yeah. Oh, I usually uh, spend a spot there. <laughs> yeah, I usually spend about I usually spend about three weeks a year down there. Well, get you All a right. Shiner Bach and some barbecue and enjoy. There you go, buddy. You have yourself a good day right. and thanks for calling. All right. Thank, thank you, you much for the help. Bye bye. Okay. Uh, Texas. Uh 
Texas. You marked that one, right? Yeah, and he dropped. So. That's okay. We still uh, got two more. Right. We got the uh, 970. Oh, here we go. 970. We if it will. There, there we click. Right. Can you hear me? Are you there? We can hear you now. All right, good. It's on inflation of airbags. I've got a 2015 Kenworth with eight airbags or four airbags on the and it's a six by two, and I also got the air ride on the front. I've only got 80,000 miles on it so far, so I heard your previous caller. It doesn't sound so good, but I'm wondering uh, the Kenworth dealer, Kenworth factory, set them pretty tight, and my son wanted to loosen them. Is that a good idea? How are you talking about on the front or on the rear? Both. He, oh. he wanted to bend the arm so that the backs were not quite as tight and it would ride slightly light, lower. Okay. Now, as I understood your description of the air ride on the rear, there are no leaf springs. There's all airbags. Is that correct? No, no, it's, it's leaf springs. Oh, you do have leaf and airbag yeah, back really. there. Okay. Right, right. Um the difficulty yeah, with them, it's a six by two. Okay, all right. And Kenworth only would put a tag, tag on it, uh, like all the other OEMs. So the back axle is a dead axle. Okay, that's fine. I got no problem with that. The difficulty with changing your airbag height is that you are messing up your drive line angles. The height of the height of the airbag is set to make the driveline angle correct. Okay? okay. If you reduce the height, you're changing pinion angle, and you may wind up with a driveline vibration or knock out a universal joint or something. Right. I for past when I was doing alignments, I had some drivers that would haul refrigerated loads from from the Midwest where we're at to the West Coast, and then produce back. And these guys would play with their air ride height. And now they're only talking an inch or three-quarters of an inch or an inch and a half up or down. And they swore right. they could dial in the ride based on what the road was like. And they knew when they crossed the Wyoming line, they wanted to change it to another spot. And when they changed into Utah, they wanted a different spot. Now, this may be all psychological or maybe real. I don't know. But as long as you understand you're risking your drive lines when you do that, if you change the height of the front end of the truck, you're changing the caster in the front axle, which is your return to center and your directional stability. As long as you recognize that and you want to play with it, that's your choice. Okay. But there's no other safety reasons. And it's a long wheelbase truck, so uh inch or two won't make a lot of difference. Not a lot, no, yeah. but it, it's still something you got to keep in mind. And I, I wouldn't be afraid to try it as long as you knew what you were doing. Okay. And I've got the white base singles. You were saying 130 is not uh, too much for the white base X1. It depends on the tread. It depends on the tread design. But I'm having guys telling me they're running 125 and 130 and they're just getting fabulous tire work. And if that's what they're getting, then that's what I'd do. That's what I did on the old ones, and that's so far what I've been doing on this one. And, and I've not had any tire wear front or back anywhere. Excellent. Running real well. Excellent. Well, keep up the good work, buddy. All right. You bet. Thank you. Yeah, have a good day. Thanks for calling. Okay. All right. 
How much time we got left? We got, well, at least eight minutes. Oh, we got time. All right. We got some more questions. What do we got here? We got one from the 952 area code. 952. Isn't that Cuba? Could be Cuba. Hello? Is this 952? I've got dead air. I think. I'm not hearing anything. Hello? There you are. I can hear you now. Hello? I'm not sure that I'm... He might be doing something else. I don't know what he's doing. Back to him. Put that one on hold and we'll come back to him in a little bit. Okay? Okay. All right. Let's try the other one. What do we got next one? It's still... Right. And you're going to look right at it and go, ah, oh, that's what it is. You just can't I don't it know now. what's going on here, but I can't get him off the air. Hello? Hello? Are you there? Can you hear me? No, we're hearing ourselves. This, he's uh, gone to the rest. I don't know where he's gone. I can't get him off here. Exit. And then now click the X. It's, That's all right. It's still not. I don't know. It's, it's not clearing. We're stuck. Is anybody out there having a good time? We're just kind of driving along here, waiting for the uh, program <laughs> to do what it's supposed to do. I'm going to call in the 218 area code anyway, if that'll work. It won't work. The other one's got us stuck. Maybe. You should be able to call in two people at once. Well, it, but nothing's working. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about inflation a little bit while we're sitting here with there was a lot of discussion between running 95 and 100 pounds in dual wheels versus running 120 and 130 pounds in wide base super singles. You just need to remember that the dual wheel tires are only carrying 4,250 pounds apiece when they're fully loaded, while the wide base tires are carrying double that. And you have to let them, ah, oh, now something's happening. Okay. okay, that one's gone. Hello, are you there? Yes, I am. Cool. We got somebody on the line. Can we answer a question for you? Yes. Uh, steering wheel alignment. Is there any way or does that you have to have your steering wheel true at 12 o'clock before you align the truck? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Years ago, we used to be able to align the carriage of the truck and when we got it all right, there was an adjustable drag length from the steer axle to the steering gearbox that we could lengthen or shorten to correct the position of the steering wheel, get it back to center. Then the truck manufacturer said it was too expensive and too complicated to put that adjustable drag link on, so they went to a fixed length drag link. Then what we had on the input of the steering gearbox where the steering column down, came down and bolted onto it, there was a notch all the way around on that that we could undo the spline, lift it up, turn the steering wheel till it was straight, put it back on, and bolt it on. But then they put a notch only in one spot on the steering spline, so you can't do that. So once I've got the truck properly aligned down below, I've got all the axles square, I've got the toe right, I've got the rears right, the only way to correct the steering wheel is to go up into the cab, disconnect the airbag, disconnect all the other hoopla that's there, lift the steering wheel off and put it on in the right spot and put it back together. Wow. 
Yeah, that's why I don't do it. Yeah, to us, <laughs> steering wheel alignment is not the same thing as wheel alignment. So, uh, I was just which, wondering because it's kind of bugging me having to hold the steering wheel at about 20 degrees to the right yep. when it should be straight. And the interesting thing is you've got a 18 to 1 gear ratio in your steering gearbox, which means yeah. if the pit flow moves one degree, it moves the steering wheel 20 degrees. So it doesn't take a very big adjustment down below to make that steering wheel look really crooked. Right. And now, wow, did you say you have to hold the steering wheel over 20 degrees in order to get it to drive straight? No, it's, it's the steering wheel is just crooked. It's pretty much constantly 20 degrees to the right. Yeah. You know, yeah. 12 o'clock, I mean, about 1 o'clock all the time to drive straight. Right. And now, you're not having... No, I'm not muscling it at all. Your steering wheel's just off 20 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. And if yeah. we still have that adjustment down below, I'd, I'd have you pull in nice and straight and have the steering wheel where it is when you're driving straight. And I'd turn that thing and straighten it right up and lock it down. You'd be all done. But they don't have those no more. Yeah. I guess it was. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Really enjoying the show and have a nice night. You do the same. Drive safe. Thank you. Okay. How much time we got left? Uh, A couple of minutes. A couple of minutes. Well, folks, I have to tell you, I have enjoyed the heck out of this show. We talked about inflation. We talked about trailers. We talked about tires. We talked about steering wheels. We didn't talk about the loose nut behind the wheel. Well, we talked to We talked to a few. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, folks. uh, We're going to wrap this up. It's been a great time. Next week, we're going to talk about caster and camber. Caster and camber. The old standbys. And what do they really mean in truck alignment? In the meantime, you folks have a good week. Drive safe. We look forward to talking to you next week. And you can listen to these programs now on iTunes and on the Audio Roadshow. If you go to our Facebook page, you can click on the link and be able to talk to us or listen to us there. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on Rolling Toe. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.